Hi there, welcome back to another episode of So Talk to Me, the podcast where my wife and I talk to each other. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Hi, I'm the wife. Hi, wife. My name is Samantha. Talk actually. at me. And my name is Josh. I, I didn't give my name either. So don't. Hi, Josh. I didn't single you out, wife. Um, it's episode 90 today. We've done 90 Dang. of these little things. That's like, what is that, like four days worth of talking? Something like that. Oh, I don't know. I don't did know. You, I guess it did depends. Did you do the math on that? No, because it <laughs> depends on how long each episode is. That's if That's each true. episode is an hour, but sometimes it's more. Yeah. Occasionally it's less, but not very often. Anyways. Yeah, we can probably count on our hand, one hand. <laughs> times we've done an hour long. Yeah. yeah or I less. So. Yeah. I guess we just like to talk. I guess so. I don't know. It's weird. I never thought that I was a talker, but you put a microphone in front of me and I don't know, throw a topic at me. And I guess that's what happens. I was just thinking about this this evening, actually, at work, um, getting ready to come back home because I'm like, man, I recorded another podcast earlier this week and I'm doing this one. And it's just like... Well, it's not just talking about about stuff it's talking about stuff that you're interested in oh yeah and yeah, you yeah. usually have a lot more to say when it's something that you're interested in mm-hmm. so it makes sense that we talk as long as we do we'd probably talk longer if we didn't you know if we weren't tired and because yeah. it's late or <laughs> that's true well we used to do it in the morning remember yes and then you stopped waking up well that was when the kids were <laughs> sleeping in later yeah well, it was also when Josie was a itty bitty baby. She was itty bitty. So, anyways, she's not itty bitty no more. The times have changed, and no, she's not. She's, she's two year old now. Yeah, yeah, talking so big all the time, using the literally potty all the time. I'm like trying to brush her teeth earlier this evening, and she's talking while I'm doing it. So it's just like splattering toothpaste all over my face. Classic Josie. I'm like, can you please stop? <laughs> wiping toothpaste from my eye nice yeah well that sounds like fun so outside of that how, how have you been over the past week um pretty good i'm tr- trying to remember what the past week has consisted of <laughs> um well you went to a wedding i did yes last last weekend so yeah last saturday i traveled to a wedding close to houston um with my old choir director from mm-hmm. high school and um, my best friend from high school, um, who I'm still really close with. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And yeah, the wedding was beautiful. It was a beautiful bride. And I don't really know the groom, so I'm not going to say much, but um, <laughs> about him, just I just don't know. But, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun and it was kind of crazy being just away (laughs) from home and the kids like literally all day long. Um, but it was nice. So yeah. Um, other than that, I haven't really done much this week, but I also haven't been feeling very well. So I'm feeling better now, but well, good. I'm glad you're feeling better. Yeah. Well, thanks. <laughs> what about you? What about me? What has your week consisted of or how has your week been? Uh, it's been an, a good week. Huh. Yeah. That's good. Um, you know, like you said, you were out at the wedding. So I had the kids on Saturday. That was fun. Um, and then Monday was Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. So I was off work on Monday and we... Did we get together? Yeah, we got together with this family um, during the first half of the day because yeah, my that's sister true. was yeah, in town. Yeah, we went and had brunch yeah. and then went to the park. That was mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. So And it was uh, a nice day, too. It really was. Man, mm. oh, man. It was like, what, the high was like 80 years or 80-something? But it yeah. was also overcast, so mm-hmm. like it wasn't really was nice hot breeze. and there was a nice breeze. It was just a really nice day. Yeah, the park beautiful. that we went to was very shaded, yeah. so you got the breeze without... A lot of the sun, so it was really nice. We had a good time. Of course, the kids still got sweaty, but that's just because they're they, sweaty yeah. kids. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but but yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then I took off Wednesday just because I've been working a lot lately. Um, so uh, it's been it's been good to just kind of relax a little bit, get some stuff chill. done around the house. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, get some video game time in just for fun <laughs> uh, to be able to, yeah, just relax and, and Playing chill out a some, bit. what is that, Mickey's something? Which one? The the Mickey one that from the other day? Yeah, I guess from like two or three days ago. On the Wii? Yeah, yeah, Epic Mickey. There you go, yeah. Because the kids like Mickey. Mm-hmm. And so they liked that one. They didn't like that one as much as the uh, the Mickey game that I have on the computer, Castle Illusion. But that's because Minnie's not in the one on Wii. And they liked that. It's true. Ollie kept saying, I think this is before you woke up and then came downstairs, but Ollie kept saying, I think Mickey is going to f- go find Minnie. And I was like, no, bud, I don't think she's in this game. And then he'd wait a couple minutes. And then I think he's trying to find Minnie. I'm like, no, not this game. And it just kind of <laughs> kept doing that until I was finally just like, you know what? Maybe. I don't know. I don't think she's in this game, though. <laughs> Just kind of stopped correcting him because he's just not, you know, that's just in his brain. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's been a good week. It's been nice gearing up for next week when we are not going to be here. That's true. So we still need to figure out if we are going to record another episode so that you guys don't miss a week or, or if we're going to miss a week, we'll yeah. see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. No. Yeah. I don't know at this point. We'll figure something out whether or not we're going to put something. Because we'll be in Arizona. Yeah. The Grand Canyon. We've never been before, and so we are going. Really excited. Yeah. Kind of a joint, like, your birthday slash 10-year anniversary little quick little trip. Exactly. It's like four days, right? Wednesday to Saturday. So yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It'll be nice. I'm stoked. It's going to be a lot of fun. fun. Yeah, I just went and got some hiking boots from Goodwill yesterday. So that was cool. That was a thing. <laughs> but you also found a couple board games. I did. Yes, one from when I was a kid. Um, we used to play this. I liked it a lot. Like the art style I just thought was really cool. And it just gave this air of like mystery being in like a dungeon and trying to find these treasures and stuff. But it's a game called Labyrinth where basically a lot of the like the entire layout of the game is is like that. It's sort of like the inside. Yeah, of the it's kind of like a puzzle. Yeah, but then you push the pieces around throughout the different turns in order to get your character to other places in the map to collect treasure. And um, I I just always liked it as a kid, and I'd seen it at the store, you know, off and on. But it was a Goodwill for four bucks, so I was like, um, yes, I'm picking that up. And then I also got Axis and Allies for four bucks, which is kind of crazy because I know that's like a huge game. Um, I don't know if or when I'll ever play it, but it was four dollars, and so because I the rule uh, book is a literal book, it's thirty pages long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I need to have like a guys' night or something so we can play it. If I, you know, if I get some nerdy friends to just nerd out, <laughs> maybe you know. Bring some beer and... I'm sure the guys in our small group would do that with you. That's true. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. That could be fun. We can all be nerds. You all are already nerds. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong. So, we also did earlier this week, we watched a movie together because I had time in the evening. We did. Didn't have anything to do. We watched a documentary on Hulu. Mm Mm-hmm. What was it called? Three Identical Strangers. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It was very interesting. It was. Was it not was, what I thought it was going to that's be. That's what I was going to say. Not quite what I was expecting. Um, if you, I, I hadn't, you know, I thought I had seen some previews for it. Um, anyways, it, so the premise is, right, it's this documentary and it's about these three boys that are like 19 years old who through, you know, a series of events find each other and they are all, well, basically they're, they're, they're triplets. Okay. They were all, um, they were all adopted Mm -hmm. and they're these three boys who were, you know, like they had no idea, but they were, you know, first, they were separated and adopted out to different families. Yeah. 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 And, and they, yeah. 
they had no idea. So it, it starts off as like this heartwarming story of just like serendipity of mm-hmm. like, wow, look at these kids. And they're, and they have like a lot of the same mannerisms and they, you know, enjoy a lot of the same stuff. And so it's, it's just like, wow, this is so crazy. And, and you, it becomes a huge, when did this take place in the eighties or nineties? It was in the eighties. Yeah. They were born in what? 61. Yes. Something like that. But I think they met in the late seventies. So yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I guess it would have been early eighties. Like they were on like talk shows and stuff like that. You yeah. Know, they were doing their their tours and stuff um, because it's just such a fun story. And so that was the part of the movie that like, that I thought the movie was going to focus on, mm-hmm. <laughs> like based on what I knew about it or what I had read about it. I thought that that was kind of going to be, wow, check out this story. Isn't this just a heartwarming tale of three young men who find their doppelgangers? Um, you wish after you watch the rest of the movie. Well, yeah, yeah. It just, <laughs> it takes turns of just like, whoa, what? Like, I didn't know. And and it makes you think about, um, well, different things. I'm trying not to give anything away because it is a pretty new movie. Like it's under, it was sometime last year that it was released in theaters. So I was surprised it was even on Hulu. So I would say, um, because I don't want to spoil anything, I would recommend watching it, Three Identical Strangers. Of course, there's some language in it. Um, there wasn't anything. No, I mean, there's not anything. Yeah. Inappropriate besides some words. Right. Right. And and, I mean, it it talks about their lifestyle. And there's not a party language, but it's not right. No, it's not. It's not. So, um, but yeah, check it out, but it does get kind of crazy. Yeah. It's almost like, okay, this, this is a totally, um, I'm going to compare this, but it doesn't. It's not the same, right? <laughs> if you've seen the movie Room, Room is a very intense movie. Um, but like halfway through the movie, it kind of changes into a different movie that is also intense. Yeah. That is how much of a left turn I felt like this movie made. And mm-hmm. while it is not as emotionally as intense as Room is, right. um, it is uh, it it definitely makes you think and consider things that, I would assume that most people have not thought about before. Um, I know I hadn't um, considered some some things that the movie brings up. So anyways, I recommend it. Check it out. It's on Hulu. It's streaming on Hulu right now. Three Identical Strangers. All right. Well, let's go, go, um, go, go, go. Yeah. Today in our, uh, you know, deciding how, what, what topics we were going to, be talking about today. I, I figured after, you know, the past couple of weeks of controversy, as they say across the <laughs> pond. Um, the pond. Yes. Over there. Uh, oh, gosh. Don't even get me started about bad British accents because of what we watched last night. Uh, <laughs> oh. What was I going to say? Oh, so because last week we talked about um, basically the, the what the Bible has to say about women pastors and women preaching. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to come at it from a slightly different angle. Okay. So this is a very related episode to last week. Um, It's kind of complementary towards what we talked about last week. Last week, we were specifically focusing on, um, on the qualifications of a pastor and that he must be a male, right? That it must be a man and not a woman. Um, I wanted to, but we, we touched on some of the other qualifications of a pastor, but I, I feel like we can just talk about this a little bit more, the qualifications, to kind of give more of a, a well-rounded look at, at basically what it takes to be a pastor. Yeah. Um, instead of just focusing on the the gender thing and i mean like i said we did talk about it a little bit last week as well um i just think it would behoove us to to look a little bit deeper because there are multiple places in scripture as we're going to take a look today where it talks about the qualifications of a pastor and it's easy to kind of read through i mean like any kind of like righteous list of like righteousness or list of uh, uh, vices and things like that virtues and vices 
it's easy to kind of read these chunks and just kind of like gloss over them without thinking about how it impacts your life. Do you know what I mean? Like what it actually looks like in everyday life. Um, And so that being said, even though scripture does talk about in multiple places what it takes to be a pastor, I think often um, we, we really ought to stop and think about these things um, especially in relation to what we see today, because there, uh, and we, I think we alluded to it. If we didn't just outright say it last week, I think there are a lot of men pastoring churches today that should not be pastoring churches, um, for the same reasons that I believe that women shouldn't pastor churches or for, well, the, the reasons are scripture. Okay. That's what I mean. Not that all women who preach have issues with sin. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, well, I mean, I guess, yes, because I think it's sinful to to be a woman pastor, but I just mean like I just mean that the standard to be a pastor is high, as right. we'll take a look at today. And I think it's good. It's not only that you have to be a male, right. but that you right. have to be a qualified male. Exactly. There are a lot of unqualified men who um who are unfortunately in overseer positions and shouldn't be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I wanted to just take a closer look at that today. And so we're going to be taking a look at a couple chunks of scripture. Well, Well, let's just start with the first one. First Timothy chapter three. Okay. First Timothy chapter three. So I think we read this last week, but I'll just Mm -hmm. go ahead and read it again. This is from the English standard version. It's the first uh seven chapter seven excuse me seven verses verses of the third chapter it says the saying is trustworthy if anyone aspires to the office of overseer he desires a noble task therefore an overseer must be above reproach the husband of one wife sober-minded self-controlled respectable hospitable able to teach not a drunkard not violent but gentle not quarrelsome not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. All right. So, like I said, it's easy to read that and just kind of gloss over it. Like, yeah, he, he's got to be a good guy, right? <laughs> um, but but let's let's pick this apart. Let's take a look at each one of these things. And I just now noticed, I think this is so cool, especially this chunk, because I feel like it bookends with some very similar thoughts. Hmm. Um, so the first thing it says, therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. Interesting thing about this is this is the first thing it says in Titus as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so Paul starts off his qualifications by saying that, that the pastor's got to be above reproach. Well, actually, the first thing that it says is if any man aspires. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have an aspiration to be in that kind of role but you've, you're just feeling pressured to be, or you've just feel like you have to be, then you shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. true. But then, yeah, above reproach. And what does that mean? So that, yeah, that's, it's good to kind of think through this. Okay. So above reproach, is he saying that he, that you have to be perfect? That there's no, no, there's way. no such thing. <laughs> right. He, I don't think that he's saying that. But he has to hold himself in a, mar- in a manner that is obviously set apart. Yeah. Which every Christian is mm-hmm. obviously set apart because the Holy Spirit changes your heart and sanctifies you and changes you. Mm-hmm. So uh, to me, that's basically what that's saying is that has to has to be a, a believer, like has to have this heart change has to be set apart above reproach being a, a believe i mean yeah to be an overseer in the church you have to be a believer in yeah. jesus um uh, certainly uh, i 
I, I think that kind of goes without saying. Um, I think one of the things that he talks about here, although it's not saying that, you know, you can never make a mistake. That's not what he means by being above reproach. I do think it has to do with patterns of sin in your life, right? Like if, if someone can call you out for an ongoing habitual sin mm-hmm. in your life that you are consistently partaking in, then, then you're not qualified. Right. Right. So, I, so I think the reproach is not that, oh, you mess up from time to time. The reproach is that there's, there's an area in your life in which you have not given it over to God. You are not obeying God in a specific area of your life. And I think also... You're unrepentant. Yes, being unrepentant. I think because it talks about um, reproach, it, reproach is a relational thing, right? It, it, it also means that it is an open sin. It's something that someone else can see. Um, the, the, the only reason I say that is that there are also sins of the heart. I think this is... This also talks about the relationship with which the pastor has to the rest of the world mm-hmm. right and and the people who can see your actions now obviously we believe that actions flow out of your heart and right. so like if you have bad actions it flows from a bad heart like it it, it points to something deeper than Sin. just your action. yeah yeah um but i i think this is specifically talking about something that you can be caught in you know something that others can call you out about um, and that's why I said I think it it kind of bookends this whole thing as well because the last thing, if you don't mind me jumping down to it, um, in verse seven, moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace into a snare of the devil. Like this has to do with not even just people within the church, right? It's not not that you can. Uh, being a brother approach, like you can be called out by someone who knows you within the church, but this is just like your reputation, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, uh, by people who, who know you, you know, like people you hang out with or people that, um, you spend time with in, in whatever area, re- recreational areas, you know, what do they know about you? Like, what is the, I was going to say, what is the vibe you give off? I don't know that that's necessarily uh, what it's saying, but like it says, are are you well thought of mm-hmm. by outsiders? Do p- people consider you to be a quote, good person, you know, or are you known by a scandal? Are you known by your, you know, greed? Are right. you known by your uh, dirty jokes? You know what I mean? Like there are things, are you known for your drinking? Mm-hmm. for your smoking not that those things are sinful just that um well are, too much of it yeah right right yes yes exactly are you known as being a drunkard well then you're probably not quali- <laughs> well no i mean we're reading the scripture okay you're not qualified <laughs> um and that's one of the things that this talks about so i think those are two really important things what Paul starts with and ends with. Um, some of the other things that I've read about this this scripture that other people have brought out is that because that above, above reproach is the first thing that's said in, in two, both of these places that we're going to be looking at tonight, um, it kind of sums up everything mm. before it. Like Paul uses that term to sum up everything that yeah. comes next. So like, again, not that you have to be perfect, but that you are not practicing um, yeah, it's like you have to be above things. reproach, and here are some examples. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, exactly. So um, the first one, or, excuse me, I guess this would be the second one, the husband of one wife, okay? This is one that we talked about last week. Obviously, this means that you do have to be male, um, and it also means that you can't be cheating on your wife. You know? Right. You got to be faithful to the wife that you have. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know if we necessarily want to get into it. Do you think this means that you have to be married? Um, I, I don't know. I know. I'm not sure either. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I know some people on both sides of it. Okay. That I very much respect. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know who's right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
So yeah, there's a little uh, a little marker here, at least in the ESV, that talks about um, just like the Greek wording of this. Uh, the husband of one wife, it could also be a, the man of one woman, a man of one woman. So it's particularly talking about like the faithfulness to your wife. Um, yeah, that you are a one woman man, mm-hmm. that you're not promiscuous. Polygamous. Right. Or, yeah. 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 You're not playing around. You're mm-hmm. not flirtatious. You are very much devoted to the woman that you have yeah. <laughs> as a wife. Um no, but I, I would agree. I don't know if this necessarily means that they have to be married. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I should have done more research Because it could mean that or it more. could just mean, you know, if you're married, then you have to <laughs> yeah. be committed to your wife. Yeah. No messing around. Exactly. So. Um, the next is sober-minded. And after that is self-controlled. I feel like both of those kind of go hand in hand that they, they both talk about similar ideas, right? Mm-hmm. Sober-minded. Um, you can think of that on a number of different levels. Obviously, the, the word sober brings up thoughts of drunkenness, okay? But it, it could also be um, someone who is prone to anger, right? Is right. not sober-minded. In, NS, in ASB, it says temperate. Oh, okay. Well, so, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that's why I think also self-controlled has a lot to do with that. They're They're almost not they're kind of synonymous they have similar ideas that it's getting across that you need to to be able to control yourself and think clearly Mm -hmm. as you control yourself um and again so don't yeah don't be a hothead right right and this is and this is hard this is not something that's that's simple um again you take it down to earth um do you know pastors that are you know irritable that get that get upset pretty easily like do you know pastors and and elders yeah who who will you know get into arguments very quickly um and i think actually we'll we'll talk about that later because the, the word later talks about quarrelsome um but but yeah just thinking of these connotations as well bring it down to earth these are not just conceptual these are like actual things that you're mm-hmm pastors elders ought to be practicing and i don't mean this like oh you know like this you need to measure your pastors and elders to this standard and call them to repent i mean like yes those are are good things but what was that well or if like if you ever see them mess up then then that means that they shouldn't be in right in that position which Obviously, there are like a couple things on this list where, yes, if they do mess up, then <laughs> they probably they then they shouldn't be in the position that they are. Um, right. But like, yeah, if you just see your pastor maybe get a little heated or mm-hmm. something, you know, yeah. don't automatically think that he shouldn't be in that position. Right. But if the test should be if you come to him and point out point it out he should receive it and repent mm-hmm. he should be repentant of the sin yeah yeah i i agree and i think it also as i'd mentioned earlier that these things ought not be practiced they ought not to be habitual they ought not to right. be you know a consistent pattern of life mm-hmm. for someone who is overseeing the church um, and like you said, there are certain things on this list. I do f- agree that would just disqualify you outright. Um, you know, not to, not to, I hope we didn't gloss over it earlier, but the husband of one wife, like in real world terms, I think a pastor who, who cheats on his wife ought not to be a pastor. Right. Um, I I think that disqualifies because of because of those bookends that I talked about earlier, being above reproach and being well thought of by outsiders. I think both of those are broken when when you cheat on your wife. Yeah. Um. I I think you can because because even the world understands that is wrong. Right. <laughs> even the world sees that as hypocrisy and sees that as a deep unfaithfulness to the person that you've pledged yourself right. to 
you know? And so I, I, I'm hard pressed to think of a situation in which someone who has committed that sin can continue to pastor. Well, because it's a sexual sin, there are harsher consequences. Yeah. And the trust is completely broken Mm -hmm. by that type of sin. And it would just be, I think, unwise. And, well, frankly, because of this list of it being a qualification that you have to be the husband of one wife, that that would disqualify you. Yeah. If you were to commit adultery. Right. Yep. I agree. And I know not everyone agrees with that. And I think... I think there are, I think it's different depending on the circumstance of it was someone like in the pastorate when that occurred or not. I mean, I think I, 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 well, see, I don't know. I don't know because I haven't been put in the situation where I've, I've had to actually consider, you know, a person on the other side of the table. Not that I, you know, again, not that I'm the standard or that I do that, but I mean, I know that people can, um, before that they are saved, you know, can commit heinous sins. And then obviously the blood of Christ washes them clean. Right. Right. And you are redeemed and you're renewed after that. Um, but I, I think, I think, let me put it this way. I think that you would need to have um, fellow elders of the church um, confirm your aspiration to be an overseer within the church right. and and know your life to know whether or not you f- meet these qualifications. Um, but, I mean, I, I would take a hard stance that I just don't know of a situation in which a pastor who has cheated on his wife, committed adultery, would be restored to a pastor position. I don't know how that occurs personally. I know other people can can interpret that differently. I just don't see how that would not break some of these qualifications. I mean, it would break many of them. <laughs> yeah, self-control. Exactly. <laughs> um, sober-minded, Sober-mindedness, obviously. being the husband of one wife. But again, being well thought of by outsiders, I think, is is one that's easy to gloss over. But that, you know, if you're marked by scandal... You shouldn't be respectable. I mean, you yeah. would lose a lot of respect. <laughs> yeah. But so. speaking of which, that is the next one. Respectable. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's, it's pretty not to get too like cheesy, but, um, are, are you worthy of respect? Are you, are you, um, do you tear other people down with your speech? Do you, how do you conduct yourself? Are you just, um, you know, are you never serious? And so you don't command respect, not command is probably not the right word, but are you not worthy of respect? Do you know what I mean? Just being someone in whom others can confide and can, can trust. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, hospitable. This one is interesting to me because I feel, uh, I feel like, I think a lot of pastors are, um, obviously it just kind of comes with it are open to, to speaking with all kinds of people, right? Mm -hmm. You're constantly in meetings, you're constantly talking with people, um, one-on-one. So I think being a pastor, you have to have a love for people right? and you have to be able to, to bear other people's burdens. But then on top of that, um, it does say that you need to be hospitable. So is your door open to, to, you know, people coming over to your house or is your house a sanctuary? Uh, where you get away from all of that. I think that that's one of the difficulties of maybe the modern American church where uh, it's easier to separate like work from everyday life, right? So you can think of like, oh, well, when I'm on the clock, then I'll, you know, counsel people in the congregation, you know, I'll speak with the congregation. But when I'm at home, that's my home time. Well, is that is that being hospitable? You know, does that mean that you qualify for this? Well, your congregation uh, is your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
And I, and I don't mean to go the other way that you're always on call either. I'm not, I don't think that that's necessarily healthy. Um, so I, I'm not trying to lay hard and fast rules, but I think also kind of taking this in the context of everything, do people consider you to be hospitable? Do they consider you to be someone who, um, is, is welcoming? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Or are you jaded by people? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I know that happens. It happens <laughs> in my own heart a lot. Um, so, it, yeah, it's just a good thing to keep in mind. Able to teach is the next one. Is your pastor able to teach? Again, it's easy to gloss that over, but really kind of thinking about it. Um, and and I, I think there are two distinct things that this is saying. One, is your pastor a good communicator Mm -hmm. in a way that that, and this is something that i think is really cool just about the scripture in general is that the scripture is um vague is not the right word (laughs) because it's not (laughs) but the scripture is applicable enough to every culture Mm -hmm. right it's not it's not saying it's not giving like hard and fast rules for what it means to be able to teach because i think that changes depending on your audience right i think the way that your audience understands you changes depending on the culture and and things like that so i think saying that you're able to teach actually i i think it is so uh wonderful the way that god inspired paul to say that um because i do think it has different subtleties depending on time and place yeah, does that make sense yeah i hadn't thought about that before how you teach a child is different than how you teach right you know a, someone with a doctorate um so i think that's one thing is is your pastor able to or you know when when thinking through this are you able to to teach people are you able to reach someone on their level and teach them mm-hmm. along with that the other thing is teach them the truths of scripture right Right. So this is specifically, you know, it's it's not talking about just can you teach people in general, but it is specifically saying, are you holding to the scriptures and are you able to uh, basically are you able to dismantle heresy? Right. Are you able to teach the truth and defend the faith against those who who teach false things? Right. Well, I think that one would go along with verse six that he should not be a new convert right because Mm -hmm. i mean how would you be able to really teach the truths of scripture you know be able to discern truth from or you know right from wrong or right from almost right you know like if you're a brand new christian you Mm -hmm. know I think we do a disservice. Well, clearly because it's <laughs> it's scripture, right? You gotta follow the scriptures. Um, but when when we do elevate recent converts, um, and don't get me wrong, it is it's exciting when someone comes to faith in Christ, like, and they I, might I be a great evangelist. Down. Yeah, yeah. As soon as they come to Christ, you mm-hmm. know, which is great. Yes. Um. But I mean, they need to be discipled before they can be sent out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and this is for a particular office within the church, mm-hmm. right? This is overseeing a church, elder, pastor, overseer, you know, whatever whatever term you want to use, um, this is for someone who's overseeing a church. Um, right. Every Christian is called to evangelize. Right. Right. So, yeah, when, when you said, like, they may be a gifted evangelist, awesome. Encourage them in that, you know, set... No, I was going to say send them out, but that's literally what you just said. They should be discipled before they're sent out. Yes, but like, I mean, you know, (laughs) sorry, taking back Sunday just popped into my head. Go tell all your friends. (laughs) Um, You know, so yes, yes, encourage um, sharing the gospel, even for new converts. Yes, definitely. Make sure they know what it is first. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but if they want to oversee a church, if they want to plant a church, if they want to, um, have a, a, a role of authority within a church, within a gathering of believers, then, I mean, it, it says here, it shouldn't, they shouldn't be a recent convert. They should have, um, they should know the scriptures, right? 
And I, I don't think it necessarily has to do with an amount of time, but it does have to do with an amount of... of um, Maturity in the faith. Yes. Ah, those words are so good. <laughs> I would not have gotten those words. Um, it would have taken me a lot of, kind of fumbling <laughs> around before I found them. Uh, okay, so hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard. Okay, Th- that that one's pretty simple. That one's pretty simple. And for all of us reformed guys and gals, um, that I mean, we might be the only ones who might have a problem with this. Um, <laughs> you know, just watch how much you drink. Yeah, that's it. Are you are you prone to the bottle? at any time you know do you feel like you need it i think that's a good gauge but um that that one's that one's fairly obvious to those around you you know that is that is more of a it is very hard to hide <laughs> uh um if you're a drunkard so okay not violent but gentle not quarrelsome i'm going to combine those two because i think they both have um a lot to do with each other well it's interesting in the in the ns in the NASB, mm-hmm. the verse three, uh, it says, "Not addicted to wine or pugnacious." Okay, there so you go. so they put them together. Yeah. So like drunkenness and violence tend to go together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I think together with earlier where it said sober-minded and self-controlled, I think that all kind of captures that idea of of you know being when you're when you're buzzed when you're you know this is talking about being a drunkard so when you're drunk i guess you are not gentle right you're you're very blunt with your word you don't you lack tact no but what i mean is that like the normal kind of filter or gate that you put up in your mind before you say things is taken away right that's what i mean so so you're not yeah, you're not gentle. You're like everything that you say is at a hundred, mm-hmm. whether it's something nice or whether it's something not so nice. <laughs> <laughs> it is usually much more blunt when you're drunk. Yeah, um, or is always right. I don't know who who can hold their tongue when they're drunk. But anyways, I guess I'm glad that I don't know anyone like that. Um, so not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome. So another another thing that sticks out to me and. I, but it's just this this idea of being quarrelsome um, that's connected to gentleness and violence. Um, th- I mean, this is someone who will get in a debate about anything, right? Someone who uh, what was, enjoys uh, conflict and con- confrontation. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, if you're leading a congregation of people, you, that should and you're not- constantly belligerent. Yeah. it just you are not the right person to be well you're not respectable yeah 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 they all connect (laughs) yes yeah yeah they definitely overlap but i mean a lot of pastoring at least from what i see a lot of pastoring is is also counseling right so if you're quarrelsome and you're not gentle and you're violent well you're just gonna damage your congregation I think it also mean, or another shade of this is: Are you irritable? Are you just someone who, who is not? I was going to say not happy, but I just mean that is easily on the edge. Yeah. Right. Easily frustrated. Or um, irritated. Yeah. 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 So the next one: Not a lover of money. This is kind of interesting to me. So because, not greedy. Right. Right, but it also kind of infers that some people attend church and look for authority positions within the church for monetary gain. Mm-hmm. Like this is Paul warning against these things, right? Um, so, what, you know, no matter your thoughts on whether or not a pastor ought to be paid or how much a pastor ought to be paid, like Paul is specifically saying here your pastor should not be a lover of money. So whatever he's doing to get money, um, he should not be chasing money before, you know, people. There's a lot of quote unquote pastors I can think of that fit that bill. Yeah. <laughs> well, Pun <I> intended. Mean, <laughs> there you go. Dollar dollar bills, y'all. Um, so it's specifically called out by Paul. 
not to be a lover of money. Yeah. And again, I think this is something, if you take a look at the bookends, are you well thought of by outsiders? Are you known as someone who's greedy? As someone who loves to flaunt what you have? Money-wise, guys, come on. Um, I didn't think I know, anything. I'm, I'm just being a turd. Okay. Okay, he must manage his household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? So, again, this is similar to, like, what it says earlier, a husband of one wife. Um, I'm not quite sure if this means you necessarily have to have children. What What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm not sure if it means that you have to have children. Or there's also another view that's, like, all of your... This means that your children have to be believers mm-hmm. um, and that if your children aren't, then you obviously don't have like control over them and yeah. you shouldn't be a pastor, which I think that view is dumb. Just kind of <laughs> be blunt about it um, yeah. because you have no control over your child's salvation. Just going to say that. Right. Um, but... Yeah, I I think it's definitely saying that if you have children that that is your home is your first priority over mm-hmm. this role as an overseer. So if mm-hmm. there if there's trouble at home you need to take care of that before your put in a role of overseer or if you're in a role of overseer, you should step down for a season to take care of things at home. Yeah. I think that's what it's getting at. Yeah, I agree. I think it also has to do with um, like your, your children, your household knows you best, right? They see you a lot (laughs) yeah, and they understand how you react to different situations. And so I do think it means like the flip side of this is, is what do your what does your immediate family have to say about you, right? What are you thought of by your children, by your wife? Um, what are what are some of the things in your life that that they see as well? Um, I agree. Talk, talking about just that that um, that idea of whether or not your children ought to all be Christians. I think um, there's a certain you know I don't believe in any kind of like age of accountability or anything like that but I do think it has to do with while your children are under your care in your household right so before they are adults off on their own I think it has to do with how you how you raise your children it says with all dignity keeping his children submissive for how does he for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Right. So it has to do with the management of your household. Mm-hmm. It has to do with the, the, what is it? Dignity, keeping your children submissive. Like how do you and your children relate to each other? Mm-hmm. Um, do they see you as their authority? Like, do they see you as someone who is able to manage that house? Well, Right. Well, right. Do they see you as a sober-minded, self-controlled, yeah. respectful overseer of the household? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, not that one hundred percent that that's always a promise that then therefore they will be Christians. No, not at all. Um, but I think in general, good household management results in relatively well-adjusted children. <laughs> you know what well, I mean? And, and it results in. Um, them, yeah, like loving, respecting their yes. father and mm-hmm. willfully being submissive. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, and then, you know, I think Paul is just saying like, that is the one area in which he manages. That's going to give you a glimpse into how he manages the church at large. Right. Right. So, um, yeah. So I, it, yeah, I, I I don't know if that means you necessarily have to have children, but I think it does. Um, that is a good idea. I think it definitely gives more insight mm-hmm. 
to the role of an overseer if you're already in sort of that position mm-hmm. at home. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I think it definitely has its advantages to already be a yeah. husband and a father. Yeah. And I think it's going to going to give you an idea of of how I guess your management style. That sounds cheesy, but I just mean, you know, how you're going to manage. Yeah. The church at large. All right, so that took us quite a bit longer than I expected with First <laughs> Timothy three. So let's jump into Titus, okay? Titus one, um, starting in verse five. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers, not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. All right, so there is a lot of similarity here. Um, I mean, it's Paul, and clearly it's the Holy Spirit who inspired Paul, so obviously there's going to be a lot of overlap between these two um, lists of qualifications. But again, he starts off same way, above reproach, and he actually says above reproach twice, at least here in the ESV. Um, And then husband of one wife, right? So those two, I I didn't realize this until just now, but both of those two are like top of the list, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and then this one does, at least in the ESV, it does say his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. Um, again, I do think that has to, that, that designates like the children within the household, Mm -hmm. because like you said, we can't control whether or not our children are saved, whether or not you believe that you ought to baptize your children. That doesn't mean that they are saved. Right. I think. We can all agree on that. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, there is a little footnote in the ESV um, for that word believers um, that says, or are faithful. Um, so th- in, in similar fashion, I mean, it's, it's, are your children holding to, I don't know, the standard that you put before them? Are mm-hmm. they, you know, are they within the church body at large kind of a thing. Like are, are they, basically are they in open rebellion? Right. Is what you don't want to see because that does test your management of the household. Right. When they're, they're just completely insubordinate and, that, and that's what it says and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. So yeah. Um, and ASB says having children who believe not accused of dissipation or rebellion. Yeah. There you go. And we know the children are going to rebel, but again, it has to do with the way that you handle that. Mm-hmm. And because um, I mean, there, yeah, there are lots of people who just, you know, say it's a phase or let their children get away with whatever. And when you take that kind of leadership and you put that over a church, well, then sin is going to run rampant. Yeah, you know, then the false teachers, the wheat and the tares. Like the tears are going to come up within the congregation and destroy the congregation. And that's not, and an elder and overseer of the church ought to be someone who is able to call that out. Well, it talks about that here. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get to it. Sorry. I'm on a soapbox over here. So for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. Okay. So how about that? Not, he must not be arrogant. So that's interesting. Arrogant, arrogance was not a word that uh, he used with Timothy, except he did say conceited with a new believer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so not a, a pastor who is boastful, um, yet Paul himself boasted in what Christ had done, mm-hmm. right? So, so that's different when you talk about um, when you boast in Christ, um, but is I can think of leaders who are arrogant. I'll put yeah. it that way. You know, th- think of what, what do you think of when you think of arrogance? Um, the NASB says self-willed. 
Okay. Oh, that's so seeking your sinking self. Yeah. Self gain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being selfish. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. Quick tempered. I think we talked about that. Being irritable. Yeah. Being uh, being a know, hothead. Yeah. Yeah. Or a drunkard. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pretty obvious. Or violent. Mm-hmm. Or greedy for gain. Again, talked about that. Someone who lover of money. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But hospitable. A lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Oh, man. So there's a lot of similar things, and yet I I feel like there's some really good, (laughs) really good concepts here. Holy and disciplined. Like he just puts this cap on it of someone who practices holiness, Mm -hmm. someone who practices what God loves, mm-hmm. someone who is disciplined. Like self-control is something that's already been brought up and self-control is is the also- fruit of the spirit. Yes. And that's a fantastic concept. But I think also disciplined um, also just, to me, the word disciplined sounds like there's some sweat in there, mm-hmm. right? There is some some blood, sweat, and tears. Like there, there is sacrifice in discipline, where self-control is like preventing yourself from doing something. Discipline is making sure that you do what needs to happen. You're devout. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's Your what it says here. Show. Oh, nice. <laughs> <In ASP. laughs> there and you says, go. And it says just instead ah, of holy. Just. Yeah. Oh, another great word. Man, <laughs> I love it. Okay. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word is taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Yeah. Yeah. So again, being able to teach and in a context in which you are overseeing a congregation. So teaching for their edification and teaching to renew their minds mm -hmm, and to prevent false teachers from coming up. Right. And to destroy the arguments that stand against, Mm -hmm. uh, stand against the scriptures, the word against God. Um, So, I mean, that's, how do I put this? Because it does talk about like not being quarrelsome and yet being ready for difficult conversations, being ready to call out uh, false doctrine. Yeah. As someone who oversees church. But that's not quarrelsome. No, it's not. It's not. I just mean it's, yeah, it, it's being prepared mm-hmm. to defend. So knowing, being convicted of what is true. So the only other scripture that I wanted to bring up is found in 1 Peter. It's in chapter 5. Um, this talks about, because we went through 1 Peter fairly recently at our church. And in 1 Peter 5, verse 2 and 3, um, it says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Hey, that's what you said earlier. Um, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Mm. Right? So again, when you think of someone who's domineering, do you see those tendencies within your own heart? Do you see those tendencies within, you know, elders or pastors in in churches that you know, something like that? Again, I hope this doesn't come off as saying like, so rate your pastor on a scale of one to ten. Like, no, I'm not saying that. No, but we do definitely need to keep these things in mind. Yes, yes. It's scripture, so mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true and we need to hold to it. Yeah, definitely. The last thing that I wanted to bring up that was just brought up to me in, in a book that I was listening to earlier today, actually, and I, I just think this will go along with it um, really well, is that at the end of First Timothy... Um, or, you know, towards the end, the next chapter over first Timothy four, um, Paul is talking to Timothy. Um, I'm going to start in verse 11. He says, command and teach these things, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believer, set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity, right? So he's, he's telling Timothy to, to live a life that is pure, um, Mm -hmm. and be an example for your entire church. So if this was not enough like pressure, um, but then jump down a few verses to verse 15, practice these things, immerse yourself in them 
so that all may see your progress. The interesting thing about that, that wording, to see your progress, it does mean that you are getting better, right? Mm-hmm. You are progressing. But that also means that you don't start off in perfection. Right. Right? It means that people can see that you are growing, and it means that it's okay to be ashamed of who you were 10 years ago. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's okay to look back at, it's okay to be honest yeah. about who you are mm-hmm. as a sinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's okay to make mistakes. You should um, be honest about who you are as a sinner right. because you're an overseer of a congregation and they need to know when you're in sin. Mm-hmm. It's much more harmful if you're not willing to admit yeah. where your faults lie. Definitely, definitely. But I, but I hope that that's an encouragement though that you're going to be making progress. And and for all of us, I mean, as Christians, we ought to all be making progress. Right. The interesting thing, I can't remember who said it, but this is something that you talk, you've mentioned multiple times, um, is that all these qualifications for elders are things that all Christians ought to be doing. Yes. Right. We all ought to be um, keeping the word of God. We all ought to be holy and disciplined. Okay. We all ought to be above reproach. Yes. Right. <laughs> well thought of um, by outsiders. So these are not like only for super Christians. No, everyone is called to these things as well. But these are specific qualifications that if you are not meeting them, then you cannot be a pastor right. biblically. Um, so with all these things, I hope it's an encouragement to know, hey, we're still a work in progress, right? We are making progress in the faith. Paul still says, set an example, yet we are going to continually make progress. So our example ought to be one of continually the, it's an uphill battle, but continually making, um, I can't think of any synonyms. Well, I mean, I think of Paul himself, you know, like he's a human being, so he obviously wasn't perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, yet he said, follow me as I follow Christ. Yeah. He was leading by example. Yeah. Um, and so do overseers. He was an overseer. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, if you guys um, have any answers for us. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We only had a couple questions, a couple things where we have not kind of decided. But I, I think it's good just to kind of consider these things and to think and how we fall on all these, all these different places, you know, see how we measure up, see where we're going in our faith. Um, but see how we're progressing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but if you guys want to reach out to us and you know have anything to say, you can reach us at multiple different places. We've got our Facebook page, which is the So Talk to Me podcast on Facebook. You can email us at so talk to me podcast at gmail.com. You can uh, catch us on Twitter. Our handle is at so underscore talk to me, or on Instagram, we are So Talk to Me podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Got any recommendations for the fine listeners out there who took the time to hear us out? Um, no, not real. Nothing I can think of. Just the documentary that we mentioned earlier. Yep. So, yep. Three identical strangers. Yes. Yeah. I don't even know if I'm gonna if I can recommend it, but I'll just mention it anyway. Is that oh. we did start the show the, a show last night. If you enjoy anime, because oh. I don't think it's a show for someone who doesn't enjoy anime, um, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is one of the weirdest things. It's really cheesy. Yeah, it it is so over the top cheesy that I couldn't. I, I can't really tell if it's being serious or. But if it's, it's just also joking. very violent. So that's true. Maybe That's true. you shouldn't recommend violent. it. Okay. <laughs> well, scrub that from the recommendations. I'll. D- Put that at the beginning of the podcast is our small talk. And yeah, it's weird. No, but Three Identical Strangers is good. So check it out. All right. Well, it looks like that is all that we have for you this evening. So until next time, go talk to your spouse yeah, or friend or go talk to your pastor. Hey, how about that? Yeah. Show them all these qualifications. Be like, <laughs> hey, you holding up? You holding these? How's it going, man? No, how about <laughs> this? Kidding. Also, pray for your pastor. Oh, yes. He's under... Reco number one. (laughs) 
the leadership at your church is under a lot of um you should always be praying for leadership at yeah. your church i need to always be praying for leadership mm-hmm. leadership at our church yeah respect your authority by praying for them <laughs> good stuff and go talk to your spouse yeah yeah <laughs> all right good night not tonight